The topic we will focus on today is the foundation of joy, Christian contentment. The foundation of joy, Christian contentment. Every democratic nation sees this as a fundamental right for its members in their societies. The pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the seeking of contentment. A life worth living must include the pursuit of joy. And the question comes, how do we attain that? How do we pursue that? Where is contentment found? And what is the secret of happiness? Most say contentment can be achieved with the right mixture of personal achievement in supporting relationships, financial success, physical health, and overall personal security. So put all together and you will be happy and have a contented life. There are a lot of things that can be said of this pursuit of contentment in these areas. These can be elusive pursuits in a fallen world. We talk about the reality of our sins so that even when we do achieve those things and enjoy those things, our sin sabotages our enjoyment of those realities. We can talk about the fact that none of those factors help you or me to death. And if you take a survey, the secret of happiness is, is often attributed to the place where one lives, the lifestyle someone has, the good the one person can do to the society, or about his family, or the legacy one leaves behind, or etc. In the other way, and every ad that, that you come across, somehow touches this pursuit of happiness, either through magazines, billboards, computer pop-ups, or commercials on radios or televisions, target the specific concept of what will make you happy. Some of these ads, of course, are simply promoting their project, but some are also subtly trying to incite a certain level of discontent with what you have. Your car needs to be better. Your phone is not quite as advanced and your clothes are slightly out of style. So you must get something better. It is not enough for the advertisers to convince that you need these, then, they will, then you will be happy. They also appeal to your greed, envy and desire to keep up with others. But most importantly, according to the world standards, these are all world standards, there will be no mention of God. There will be no mention of living in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ to, to receive happiness. God is not in the picture to overcome discontentment. The only thing that is required for human contentment will be completely absent. And this is abs absent from much of the world's pursuit of joy and happiness and unfortunately, if we are honest, even for us Christians, often our pursuit of contentment does not include our pursuit of our Lord himself, but mainly focuses on the pursuit of various circumstances around us. So here in Philippians, God's word helps us to Apostle Paul as a model so that we can learn from him. That is what we will be looking at today. Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 to 13. God desires for us to seek contentment. 
but he wants us to seek in the right place because if we seek it in the wrong place and in the wrong way we not only will be dishonoring him but we will be left wanting desiring more we will be left in discontentment unhappy so let's learn from god's word from paul and pray that the lord would teach us contentment today please turn with me to philippians chapter 4 verses 10 to 11 I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you have you have you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking now not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let us pray. Father, we rejoice in Christ and his finished work. In Jesus we see, Lord, that he he has given his life for our sake that we can now live for his glory. And thank you Lord that in Jesus we can learn what it means to be truly happy. So we pray that Lord that just as how Paul learned to be happy in all of his circumstances and he's able to do that by the strength that is he received in Jesus Christ. We pray that Lord that we would learn this glorious truth and understand this and apply to our lives. Bless our time Lord in Jesus name we pray. Amen. So as we begin we see here in verse 10 Paul starts by rejoicing in the concern that the Philippians have shown him much concern in his great difficult circumstances. But we will be not spending on that verse more, but what I want to focus is on verses 11 to 13 which focuses on Paul's contentment. And I want you to look at three points as we go through these three verses. First, Christian contentment it is for every circumstance it is something to be learned and christian contentment comes through the strength of jesus christ christian contentment it is for every circumstance it is for it is something to be learned and it comes through the strength of jesus christ so the first point as we see here the context what we see here is that the situation is that paul is in prison and as he and he, as he was being held against in will we we know that in the book of acts he was required to stay there at his own expense so he had to provide of his own needs while he was there and as paul mentions in chapter 2 of this letter that they have sent epaphroditus one of their own to give a financial gift to paul to help with his financial physical needs it is also to minister to him personally by his presence as paul was being held there in rome so paul starts by expressing just how grateful he is for the for the care that he has been shown and the gift that he ha- he was given so from verses 10 to 20 this is the thank you note by paul to the philippian christians for the generosity shown by this church he was very grateful but but before he gets very far he wants to clarify that paul was not in need at the most funda- fundamental level 
you see in verse 11, he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So we see here, Paul is saying, I'm not speaking of being in need. So what, what does that mean? It, I don't think what Paul means by that is that I have no physical needs. I, have, I had plenty of food, I had plenty of money, and I was pretty comfortable. You know, even though you send this gift, I don't need it. I don't think that's what, what he is saying here. That becomes clear in the second half of the statement in verse 11, where Paul is saying, Paul is saying that he is not in need, and the reason why? He doesn't communicate, well, because I have plenty of provisions, but he says, because I have learned how to be content in every situation. Even when various physical needs are not being met, in some way, this is the point what we see here. It becomes clear at the end of verse 12 because Paul says, I have learned the secret of contentment, secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. It's the same word that he uses in verse 11. But I think he is using it differently. So there, so there in verse 12, he acknowledges the reality of facing need. This, is, this was his current situation in Rome. Yet as he faced this material need, he was not needy in the ultimate sense of the word. He is not ultimately in need because Paul says, I have learned in whatever situation I am in, even in the situations of material need, to be content. That is why Paul is saying, in essence, thank you so much for giving to me, but I want you to know God takes care of me in every circumstance. I appreciate your gift, but I don't want you to think that I depend on you for your contribution. So that is the fundamental issue in these verses. Paul is not writing about physical need, but he is writing about contentment, joy, happiness, and even as Paul thanks the Philippians for their gift, he wants them to remember that in Christ, he or they have discovered a contentment or joy that is not dependent on any external or temporary circumstances. And therefore, that, therefore joy and contentment prevail in any circumstance. And that is the contentment we are offered in the gospel. Contentment that we are offered through Jesus Christ. So as we see in verse 12, whether we are brought low, he says, whether we are abounding, whether we are in hunger, whether we are in plenty, whether we are in need or abundance, Paul says, I have learned to be content. Every circumstance, every situation. Now friends, I know as we hear Paul's word of words of being content in any circumstance, that can sound very challenging to you. I know there are many of us in this room facing difficult times. I know it is hard for me to imagine the kind of burdens that weigh on your soul. And I hope you will not hear me saying, hey, listen, this is no big deal. What you're facing is not really a hardship. It is easy. That is not the case. Some of you are facing real difficult situations that can alter the very course of your life. And I do not want to minimize that suffering that you're facing. But what I want you to remember is God's word is true. And Paul here, through his example, once more, is setting up for us how a mature believer in Christ responds to situations in life. One writer says, contentment is a mature aroma 
of one's walk with Christ. So let me ask you this morning, would anyone describe you as one who is content? This is a rare jewel, one Puritan says. But this is not a virtue that you should quickly dismiss by saying, well, this is not for me. This is for much older Christians. But let me encourage you. To some level, this is essential for you to understand contentment if you are to have a joyful walk with Christ. It is a significant part of growing in grace. This is the contentment that Paul is proclaiming to us here. This is the contentment that will not abandon you in the face of earthly need, the face of temporal want, the face of earthly trial and difficulty. As Paul said earlier, this contentment does doesn't even abandon you in death. He says, because to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says in chapter 1 verse 21. So even in death, you will remain content if this contentment is offered to you in Christ. That sounds like a contentment that is worth pursuing, that is worth knowing and experiencing, isn't it? Now, what is contentment? This word is borrowed from the Greek philosophy by Paul. The Stoics often use this. The word content literally means self-sufficient. Having all the resources in yourself and your circumstances in life, whatever they may be, should not rock the boat. There should be a level of stability and stoicism. You have to discipline to a certain level your emotions so that you do not respond. This was very much the case in the Roman soldiers during those days. But that is not Christian contentment. God made us with emotions. God created us to feed and to reflect and simply to feel. To be disconnected from feelings is not God's way of handling this, our situation. It is also not being complacent or resigning to the circumstances of the life. Christian contentment is being sufficient in Christ in all circumstances. Jeremiah Burroughs, an English Puritan, describes contentment in this way. He says, I find a sufficiency of satisfaction in my own heart through the grace of Christ that is in me. Though I have no outward comforts and worldly conveniences to supply my necessities, yet I have a sufficient portion between Christ and my soul abundantly to satisfy me in every condition. Now you're thinking, okay, if I can be content even in the midst of material need or in the midst of material abundance, I will pursue material abundance and in material abundance, I will train myself to be content. So to you, I want to say, don't underestimate the burden and the danger of material abundance. Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 18 verse 24, how difficult it is for those with wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Thankfully, it is possible with God, but Jesus says wealth makes it difficult for you. We see that even Jesus saying in Matthew chapter 13 verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke the word, proving unfruitful. 
So riches pose a danger of choking the fruitfulness of God's word in your life. Paul warns in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But then Paul also said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So that's the antidote to the danger and burden of wealth. Godly contentment in every circumstance. When there is lack, when there is want, when there is need, or when there is abundance. Now just to be clear, just to be precise, it doesn't say money is evil in itself. Wealth is not evil, but he does not underestimate the danger of being drawn to the pursuit of wealth. The burden that riches may bring into your life. And yet Paul says, by the grace of Christ, even rich people can be content. We see that in 1st Timothy as well. As for the rich in the present age, he says, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches but on god who richly provides us with everything to enjoy they are to go- do good to be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of which is truly life so in god's kindness we have been given various examples in the bible of wealthy men and but they all also lived faithful godly lives so friends quite a few of us live in relative comfort and ease in uae so not only in dire and difficult circumstances but also in times of plenty christian contentment is for every circumstance because it is not ultimately dependent on our circumstances it is found in Christ himself secondly christian contentment is something to be learned paul says in verse 11 i have learned in whatever situation i am to be content so if you are a christian this morning you think about the reality of when you became a christian there should have been a great joy as you came to christ in faith that moment of conversion where when we realize that our sins are fully forgiven according to god's promise we are reconciled to god once and for all he is no longer our enemy we begin to relate personally to christ by faith christ becomes a merciful lord and savior and there is incredible joy in that however this contentment in every circumstance of your life that paul describes here doesn't necessarily flip on like a switch when you become a christian you don't fully step into this instantaneously this is something that you need to learn something that you need to pursue something that we may progress in throughout our christian lives till that comes so this means as christians as we mature in our thinking and experience we should mature in godly contentment it would help if you were discontent with your current contentment and christian growth 
we will meditate on that for a little while so you should want to grow in contentment not to just be constantly whipped around by your circumstances but add some wind to your boat so that you are increasingly steady even in the heavy winds as they press upon your lives you should strive to grow in this as a follower of Christ so growing in our understanding of who god is according to his word your understanding of his promises that he has provided us in christ so we we become students of god's word we need to learn that god is perfect always faithful all powerful and always accomplishes his will he's perfectly wise in everything he does and we need to learn grow and believe the truth about christ that he is the savior that through him his sacrificial sacrificial death on the cross he does forgive the sins of those who trust in him and his resurrection from the dead guarantees our resurrection from the dead unto eternal life if we trust in him and if you have not personally trusted in christ in that way to be your savior through his death through his resurrection you will not learn contentment that paul speaks of here you can only find this in christ and if you are not in christ i would welcome you to come and talk to me after the service so we must learn that those united by to christ by faith god is now working all things for your good so in every circumstance every situation god is working all things for the good of those who love him who is called according to his purpose nothing can separate us from the love of christ not poverty not cancer not the loss of a job not the loss of a friend not the loss of status or influence and we can go on and add to that list there are many more truths that we need to know we need to know, grow in our understanding of god's word who revealed himself to be for us so we might grow in christian contentment so friend is that who you are are you a student of god's word meditating on god and in christ and his finished work maybe you are discontent today because you do not know about your savior enough maybe you grumble and complain because you don't see the many reasons to praise god so we are called to be students of god's word and that's the way we learn contentment however paul speaks of here it's what he speaks of here is not just intellectual learning there are truths that we need to know but it is more than that paul also learned contentment by being tested as well this is what he means in the circumstances and experiences of his life holding on to christ by faith through experiences and finding christ to be sufficient in reality in his experience so what we see here is that he experienced christ's sustaining power in every situation not only in his faith but even in his joy in such situations now let's think about paul's life for a moment this contented man describes the details of his life experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 to 28 first he says that he he, he that he says that his life consisted of 
imprisonments and beatings he says he was often near death and he received 39 lashes on his back five times we can't imagine what his back would have looked like three times beat with rods once stoned and left for dead three times shipwrecked and in danger from robbers these are paul's words in trouble in the city in danger in the wilderness at sea in toil and hardship this was the experience of paul's life it was hard his daily experience was brutal through many sleepless nights of hunger and thirst often without food in cold and exposure and apart from other things there was the daily pressure of his anxiety about other churches so there is this mental weight of responsibility so how did paul learn to be content he learned through testing through trials he learned through trials he learned through temptation and as he continued to trust and depend in christ's circumstances after circumstance he grew to learn contentment to be content even in the most difficult circumstances he grew in his spiritual ability to have joy in every situation because he grew in confidence trust and dependence upon christ as he experienced christ's faithfulness through such challenging times now think of your own lives what do you do when small thing goes off some some small thing as a tire puncture that rattles us isn't it if the car doesn't start oh no what to do how to handle the situation but do we also see during those times that god is teaching me something he is teaching me contentment he is enabling me to put my trust and hope in jesus christ and endure and figure out how i can be faithful in this circumstance now when you are a child it can almost seem impossible to be content and endure various situations before you throw a fit and when you are undone not happy anymore with what you have and all the contentness will be quickly gone and you see it it changes very dramatically for example you get something for your child that that and that that something is what your child longs for and when she sees it she is delighted joyful and content and then you also give your other child something wonderful which the your other child is also longing for and she is also equally joyful but suddenly when the first child sees that her sister's toy is somehow shiny or more beautiful than hers the joy is lost instantaneously in an instant regret sadness and envy creep in and it can lead to a burst out or a fit you know what i'm talking about kids you know that parents you know what i'm talking about it takes work to be content maybe your brother or your sister has something that you want to use and you want to play with it but you have to wait for it and it can be so hard to wait and be content and so as you begin to do chores in your home some jobs are difficult to persevere contently till the end as you complete the job and one of the signs of maturity is that you begin to learn what it's like to be content 
in those situations you grow in your capacity to plod on to work hard and you grow in the appreciation of the value of work and the service to others you grow just in understanding in the understanding of life and the big picture of the purpose of the situation you learn more to be content to be joyful so paul says in verse 12 i know how to be brought low i know how to abound in every circumstance i have learned the secret of plenty hunger abundance and need so paul says in the highs and lows of life in all of variety of circumstances and this is true for the christian life as we mature in faith as christians as we mature in our knowledge of christ as we wait on him and in understanding and trusting god for his good purposes in the big picture we learn to endure this brief period called life on this earth patiently contently through every situation we wait to fulfill god's promises and we grow in appreciating the value of knowing christ and living in dependence upon him and as we do so we don't become unglued quickly by the storms of life we don't get rattled easily we don't get tossed and turned we don't give up on our situations and people's responsibilities so quickly in discontentness instead we grow in our ability to have an abiding joy in every situation one of the things that we are very good at these days i think to some extent is is this appreciation and a striving for authenticity the desire to be real about our struggles and our hurts and our frustrations and and let them and, and i think it's a good thing i believe we must be honest with each other we can be open with each other and ultimately with our lord about our struggles about our hurts so the last last thing we want to do is put up a facade or a fake contentment or joy that is plastic that is not genuine and it is not coming from the heart but let us also not justify our actions close to throwing a fit for the sake of being genuine or authentic and to be authentic and honest we must be just complaining about the circumstances that god has allowed in our lives to the point we forget about god and in a way that may fail to strive to value contentment as a sign of christian maturity as we grow in our trust in the lord so let me clarify we are weak and we do struggle we get discouraged and let's strive for contentment as we wrestle with these realities as we are honest with these realities let also strive and work hard how to overcome it let us spur one another on to learn contentment let's pray for it let's seek christ in every and any circumstance and as we do so not only our may our joy increase but our lives may bring great glory to christ as we testify to his all sufficiency in all circumstances of our life so christian contentment is something that we got to learn something we got to grow in so let's strive for this together as his people christian contentment is for every circumstance it is something to be learned and lastly it comes through the strength of jesus christ so after declaring that he has learned to be content in every situation 
he has learned the secret of facing abundance or need in every circumstance how does paul sum it up in verse 13 he sums it up and makes it very clear how this is possible i can do all things through him who strengthens me i can all do all things now this might be the most misused verse in the bible you can see it on athletic apparel and you can see it on plaques on in christian bookstores you see it on graduation cards and all varieties of places and it seems at least to me generally when people quote philippians chapter 4 verse 13 they mean that whatever you put your mind to it in terms of earthly pursuits if you have enough faith in christ he will help you to accomplish it football championship a successful career and a happy marriage but what is ironic is that this opportunity to look at we we get this opportunity to look at this verse in the context and in in a sense it almost declares the opposite if you read that carefully when we think about this text point paul says here that in christ i am strengthened to be content in every circumstance the so called the good and the bad so whether i win or lose whether i succeed or not in the job whether i win a particular discussion or fa- fall flat on my face whether my family turns out in the way that i imagined or hoped for whether my kids behave how i want them to or not whether 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 i am surrounded with physical comfort or severe affliction in christ i can be strengthened for true and lasting contentment true and lasting joy and happiness strengthened for joy in everything and anything because it is rooted and grounded in christ and now that is a miracle that is a supernatural work of christ in the hearts of his people that we cannot do in and of ourselves but in christ who strengthens us this only comes through christ this is not possible through the power of positive thinking it is not saying that if you can dream big and bring yourself to believe it it will happen that is not christianity friends when he says i can do all things he is saying that all things that god has brought into my life and that he will put me to face i can face that with a contented heart now my question is do you believe that that may take a lot of faith for you to believe that but do you believe that god can give you enough grace that no matter what circumstance you do you believe that your troubled heart can be settled to place to the place where you are settled in christ paul says this is true he writes under the inspiration of god we are not strong enough to accomplish this alone but we can through our union with christ i love this word here strengthen it means christ empowers me he enables me to conquer my difficulties and subdue my spirit by a power from within that comes through jesus christ this is the same word used in spiritual warfare in ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 finally be strong in the lord and the strength of his might paul says we have an all powerful deity who loves and cares for us and his power is available to us if we trust him this is grace my friends and this was true for paul even in his last days 
he writes his, his last letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy and he says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, Paul died content. He died triumphantly. He didn't die as a man who has been broken and defeated by the adverse circumstances of his life. He dies triumphantly and he says, God will preserve me and God's work will continue and I will now go to my heavenly home. That is the way God wants us to finish our course, friends. So brothers and sisters, in conclusion, let me give you six practical ways to grow in contentment. Six practical ways. First, practice thankfulness. This is the need of the hour in learning to practice gratitude. I mean, even Paul and Silas, when they were languishing in the prison in Philippi, and they were beaten, bruised, and battered, and they were in chains, and in the dead of the night, they began to worship and praise God. And do you think Paul and Silas felt like praising God? No, they probably didn't feel like it, but they consciously turned their minds and hearts to express gratitude despite their pain and suffering. How important that is to learn to practice thankfulness, no matter our circumstances. Secondly, cultivate heavenly mindedness. What it means to set our minds on things that are above. What it means to say Paul in Romans chapter 8, I consider the present sufferings are not worth comparing to the future glory, what it means to future glory, and that all God has promised to make us make it current reality. This shapes us and leads us the hope of our eternity. So cultivate heavenly mindedness. Thirdly, understand God's providence. Longing to see that his ways are pure and his paths are right. This is, the, this is to rest in God's incomprehensibility. His ways are not our ways. His judgments are not our judgments. But we know he is good and we know he is our father. And we know he is working all things together for our good. And to be able to trust in that and declare with the songwriter, whatever my God ordains is right. His holy will abideth. So we learn contentment by understanding God's providence. Fourth, learn to wait. Waiting and hoping are the same verb. Wait for what God has promised and understand that he has promised us in the present, yes, to provide for us and to meet our needs as he deems best. But ultimately, most of the biblical promises are often in the future. We own them by right, yet we have not yet to enter them. But one day we will see when our tears will be wiped away and every longing will be satisfied. And there is a great hope and expectation 
so it will do we will do well if we would learn to patiently wait on our lord fifth follow christ's example this cannot be stressed enough he is the one who knew true contentment despite his adverse circumstances and many challenges what it means to follow he showed that what it means to obey god he showed that who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross the puritan again jeremiah barrows writes what is my affliction he asks is it poverty that god strikes me with jesus christ had no house to hide his head in now my poverty is sanctified by christ's poverty i can by faith the curse taken out of my poverty but the poverty of jesus christ christ jesus was poor in this world to deliver me from the curse of my poverty so he says so my poverty is not afflictive if i can be contented in such a condition so follow christ's example look to him and sixth tre- treasuring christ above all else paul says for me to live is christ and to die is gain paul learned to pri- prize christ above all things defining life through the lens of what it means to live understand and die is the ultimate gain paul says yet i have all says paul for all that as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor at making many rich as having nothing and yet possessing all things his greatest possession is jesus christ our lord so these are the ways that we can learn contentment grow in contentment this is who we are triumphant with joy with contentment and that can only come if we develop our relationship with our lord jesus christ when we walk with him and find our contentment not in the gifts that he has given to us so many of us are thankful to god for the gifts that he provides but not for him when as a child when a child is young they might want to go to grandma's house because she gives them little gifts and bakes cookies that is very understandable for toddlers but when the child grows up hopefully they want to go to grandma's house because they love her and want to spend time with her we may start following the lord because of the blessings that he gives us but as we grow in grace as we grow in maturity it should not be the gifts and the goodies he gives us it should be him that is why we seek him that is why we worship him for who god is that is why we pray for him but unfortunately paul was not the first or the last believer to languish in prison there will be afflictions the author of pilgrim's progress john bunyan spent 12 years in prison he was a man like the apostle paul who was driven to preach the gospel but was hindered he could not minister to his congregation who could not provide for his family because he was in prison and it broke his heart and he had a blind daughter named mary and he wanted to improve her situation in life but he couldn't do it because he was behind bars but you know what he learned contentment in this situation 
although it was very unfair to him and the authorities have not dealt fairly or faithfully with him but he writes pilgrim's progress from that prison cell although he could not preach his book his pen spoke for him and he would write this verse he that is down need fear no fall he that is low no pride he that is humble shall ever have god to be his guide i'm content with what i have little be it or much he and the lord and the lord contentment still i crave he says because thou savest such he is not saying by being satisfied we are saved but those who are saved learn to be content and that's what he craves for so let me ask you this morning are you content in christ are you content with what god has providentially brought into your life at this moment have you responded in faith to your circumstances have you come to place where christ is your treasure may god help us to say with paul i have learned to be content in whatever situation i am let's pray father we father nothing we ask of you but teach us lord teach us to be content and help us lord to delight in your ways and walk in your ways give us grace lord to endure trials of various kinds and help us lord to count it all joy and give us grace lord by the power of your spirit and in your son jesus christ to live in this way for our own sake and for your glory in jesus name we pray